0: Hey everybody, this is episode 111 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is Chris coming at you from Austin, Texas. As always, I'm excited to be coming at you this week with a couple of really good interviews. We've got two in this episode that I'm going to play for you back to back. These interviews came to me from New Balance who reached out, and this is not a paid episode, but they reached out to me about a new campaign they have out called the Start Ride Riot campaign, and it features... Four ladies of Team New Balance, including two that I get to talk to today, Corey McGee, who I'll talk to first, and Stephanie Garcia. I'll give a little bit more on those ladies in a second by way of background. Also in the video are Bev Ramos from Puerto Rico, a Puerto Rican marathoner, just ran the New York marathon in a PR of 240, and Lisanne DeWitt, a sprinter from the Netherlands, both amazing runners in their own right. Wish I could talk to all four of them, but I've got two on the show today, and I think you'll be inspired by these discussions. So New Balance reached out, asked if I'd be willing to chat with a couple of the ladies in the video to help promote the campaign, but I'm not being paid for this, and mainly I'm just excited that I've had the opportunity to interview these women, because there's something inspiring about all of them, certainly, but I'm really excited to talk to the two that I got to talk to for this episode, so... As I said in full disclosure, this came to me from New Balance, but I'm not being paid for it. I will say, though, that I am a fan of New Balance gear. One of my key training shoes is the New Balance 1400, which I absolutely love. It's a marathon racer, but I use it for training and for races, and I also love my New Balance kit that we've put together for our Team Rogue Athletes here in Austin that I get to rep when we race. Really, really solid kit, and I think their gear is great, their shoes are great, and I love what they're doing for our sport. So I'm happy to do my part in helping tell the story a little bit about what they're doing with this campaign, but also in particular how they're featuring these women because I think all of them are inspiring and the two that I get to talk to today are particularly inspiring and we'll drill into that here in a second. I'm not going to do any intro current events this time. I'll get a little bit more on my next podcast, but you should know that U.S. Indoors is coming up, and there's several big indoor meets that you should be checking out and following. NBC Sports has a lot of those featured, including if you go to NBC Sports Gold, you can watch the replay of what just happened this past weekend at the New Balance Indoor Grand Grand Prix. We also have the Milrose Games coming up, which will be featured on NBC, that Kate Grace and Colleen Quigley who were guests with me a couple of episodes ago. They'll be there, and also Corey McGee will be there, who's one of the athletes that I get to talk to today. But I'm excited. I'm going to talk to Corey McGee first, and then to Stephanie Garcia. Corey is a 1,500-meter runner by training. She's now training in Boulder, Colorado, with Joe Bossard and Emma Coburn, and the group now surrounding those two. Corey is a two-time World Championship team member, She's run 406 for the 1500, super fast, went to the University of Florida, was a 10-time All-American there, and a two-time NCAA runner-up in the 1500. She also won 22 state titles as a high schooler, so we'll talk a little bit about that. This girl knows how to win, and and she's super real on Instagram. You should definitely follow her, at Corey McGee Runs, and so we'll get to talk to her first, and then I get to talk to Stephanie Garcia who's a a steeplechaser, has been, at one point, the second best steeplechaser in the U.S., and now is currently fifth on the all-time U.S. list, as only five women in the U.S. have ever broken 920. And so she's super fast, also really run fast on the track at all distances, including the 1500 and 5K, She, as I said, has finished second at USA's, has been in the top four several times, has been on two world championship teams, finished second in NCAA's, the steeple behind Emma Coburn back in 2011. And I'm a huge fan of Stephanie because she's, she's fearless. She is not afraid in a steeple, really challenging, crazy event to go to the front, take the lead, push the pace, take some risks. And in her career... At times, that's worked, and sometimes it hasn't, and she's had some failures that we'll talk to her about and how she bounced back from those, but she's still going strong, hoping to make a world team this year. Both of these ladies are. So we'll drill into these conversations, and hopefully you can learn that they're humans like we are and can relate to them in ways that you might not expect, which is always my goal with these discussions. So as I said, we'll first start with Corey, and we'll jump into a conversation with her, so welcome Corey McGee to the show. How are you doing today, Corey?
1: I'm doing great. I'm having a great day out in Boulder, Colorado.
0: So you're back in Boulder. I know you were at the New Balance Indoor Grand Prix this past weekend, but back to back to your training grounds, and then you're back. Then you're off to Millrose, right, this coming weekend?
1: Yeah. So we'll leave on um, a week from today, so next Thursday, and then I got back to Boulder just a few days ago. Um flew out the day after the race in Boston and had a, my first workout yesterday after the race. So right back into the routine and just going to get a couple weeks of training before my next indoor race.
0: You guys have had a bunch of snow on the ground in Colorado. How has that been for training?
1: It's actually, um, it's pretty amazing out here with the snow, how quickly it melts. So it's really cool. And something that's new to me. After living in Boston, the last four years, it was one of those things where it's like first snowfall, that's probably going to hang around until April. Um, So it's been cool to be in Colorado and just see how Once the snow comes down, it could be gone later that day or, you know, definitely the next day because just the way that the sun shines here. So um, it hasn't interrupted our training at all. I think since November, I've gone on the treadmill twice. So it's been really good. Um, And just Joe and the crew here, they really have it figured out with how they deal with the elements. So um, given the fact that we don't use like college facilities or or anything that's provided like that and just kind of go from some high schools and middle school tracks in the Boulder area, just the way that they adjust the way that Joe adjusts our training and makes it work determined by the weather. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome how they have it all figured out. So hasn't been an issue.
0: Got to get it in. You're talking about Joe Bossard, your coach. We'll talk a little bit about the group you're training with in a second, but I wanted to start with you talking about 22 state titles from high school and 50 from what I understand from you and your your siblings in Mississippi there I don't even know how you win 22 state titles I mean that's cross country that's track that's relays I mean I'm sure it all adds up but that just seems like seems like an insane number what was that like being on the top of so many podiums in high school
1: Yeah, high school for me was, I think, obviously a a bit irregular in the sense that not only is Mississippi not somewhere where distance running is very popular, it was also just um, interesting because I had lived abroad and then moved back to Mississippi and almost introduced the idea of cross country to my community. So it was cool because I have three sisters and my parents are both athletes. My dad, he played football and my mom, she ran track and she was a really competitive trap shooter in the state of California, like state champ and everything. So having parents who obviously were competitive and cared about sports. And um, I guess once we discovered that we were good at running, uh, we just kind of went with it. So my older sister and I were the beginning of the cross country team at my high school and just pulled a couple other girls in to, to join the team with us and, From there, you know, it just, I don't know. It's funny because it's when you're in the midst of it, you don't really think it's that strange. But looking back now, (laughs) I'm like, that was not the way that a lot of the girls that I was competing against were, I guess, coming to know the sport. It was more like this discovery between my family and then like the community. And given the fact that Katrina was in the, like with all of that going on, we went through Hurricane Katrina. And I think that that, in addition to, just this already like kind of bizarre recipe um, made it an even more one of a kind experience because then I really held on to running. And I think that it was such a cool thing for the community that I was going to like the Melrose games or national championships up in New York city or wherever and representing Pas Christiane, my hometown um, in the midst of like tragedy. So it was just, yeah, it's all, it's all interesting to look back on and obviously makes me really happy and feel really thankful for where I'm from. But, um, I don't know. I wasn't too focused on like the winning as much as just like the way that it was like, everyone was involved somehow. Like I felt like it was a group effort. Um, and my community was super supportive through it all. So it was, yeah, it's just a special time and like definitely why I love running so much.
0: How did Katrina affect you guys?
1: Um, so Hurricane Katrina in my hometown is like that. We don't even call it Katrina. We call it the storm. Um, you don't even have to name it because everyone knows what you're talking about. And it's either before the storm or after the storm. So uh, that's kind of how everything is measured where I'm from. Um, my grandmother lived on the water and she lost everything, and my house is actually built in the early eighteen hundreds and managed to stand through the storm. But um, the majority of my friends that I grew up with lost their homes. And then, of course, my school and the entire we say like Katrina ate our town, which it was gone. (laughs) So, Mm. But yeah, it was it was not easy. And I ended up going to New Mexico for a few months and staying with extended family as well as my sisters. And um, it was yeah, my eighth grade year was very peculiar and I missed a lot of school and I did puzzles all the time and we didn't I just didn't have a regular year that year because uh Katrina turned everything upside down but um in hindsight I can say now like I wouldn't have it any other way because everyone came together and I saw so much goodness through um the way that people the Prince of Qatar or something like rebuilt the middle school in my town and Robin Roberts came in and she's from my hometown and helped out a ton and obviously when something like that happens it's it's sad but a lot of people come from all over the place to help so it was um definitely a defining part of my like my childhood and just growing up and um I trained through it and that was the same year that I so the storm was in August and then that following February, I, I went up to um the National Scholastic Indoor Championship and ran a huge personal best and won my first big race. And I feel like it was just a wild six months. Um, so, yeah, I think it made me tougher and I think it made me, like, work really hard.
0: Plus, I would imagine appreciate the life you had more, too.
1: Yeah, definitely. I know sometimes I'll hear little things and I'm like... Not that I, not that I'm like making a judgment, but I, I kind of have flashbacks, and I'm like, oh, it's not too bad if you're having to like, uh, I don't know. There's just little things that you realize um, what's important. So, and yeah, you become a little bit less um, materialistic, I think, when you're like, well, all, all this could go away pretty easily.
0: When we talk about first world problems,
1: yeah, that, exactly. that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly.
0: How long did it take to for the town to recover? I mean, I would assume it would be a multi year process.
1: Uh, It's still, it's still in recovery for sure. I have friends that pass through and they'll let me know that they're there. And I'm like, well, there's a couple restaurants now, at least you can go. Um, You know, there's, it's not what it used to be, but it's getting there and um, people are pretty resilient. So every time I go home, I'm excited because there'll be a few new houses on the water or another restaurant or something has opened up. So slowly, but surely, but it takes people a little while to forget, um, So I think that it's been over 10 years now and I mean, it was just such destruction that it, yeah, it's just, it takes time, but it, yeah, it's it's getting there.
0: (laughs) Wow. 10 years. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. It's been a while. I would
0: assume there's also people that just could never come back. Is that, I mean, did it lose a lot of population as well?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The school was about half the size whenever, um, in the immediate aftermath. And then um, I think at this point, it's probably getting back to what it was before Katrina. Um, But it's just obvious that something happened because when you drive down the coast, you can just see obviously like empty lots. So um, that's just part of the, I guess the life cycle of what happens in that part of the country. Uh, It's kind of one of those things that you, Should know before you decide to move there so um but i think yeah it's slowly but surely um and plenty of people won't come back just because maybe it's not worth it so
0: right wow thanks for sharing that part of your story
1: yeah no problem (laughs) going back
0: going back to this to the titles because you won 22 state titles you also were a u.s junior champ what did you learn about winning in that phase of your career?
1: Yeah, I can say now. um, It's something that shouldn't be taken for granted, for sure, because it's fun to win. And I think as track athletes, we lose more often. So it's one of those things. um, I look back on high school and college, and those are some of the sweetest moments for sure. So um, I think it's really easy to be hard on yourself whenever you're, especially in like an individual sport and a competitive athlete. So sometimes I would win and still be disappointed with the time or, you know, whatever it may be. So I think I learned a lot about just, um, I think celebrating like these small victories and, uh, being grateful obviously for whenever you're healthy and at the top of your game. So, um, that's definitely one thing I can look back on and say that I, cherish and I think learned and yeah I think mostly now as a pro it's like wins are few and far between for um, in certain parts of your professional career so definitely something to savor
0: so you went to the University of Florida where what you were a 10-time All-American there second in NCAAs at the 1500 twice also went to world champs in 2013 as a collegian. What was your college career like? What did you learn from that?
1: Yeah, I think I learned a lot in college. Um, In high school, I had just this really close relationship with my coach. And he ended up moving away when I was like halfway through high school and then coached me from a distance. And Getting to college, it was like the first time that I had a coach there with me every day because before that my dad was at the track with me. And um, so it was just, it was a lot different to have a coach there every day and of course have a team and people to train with. So it was all new to me. And I think I just learned how to, first of all, as a freshman, I, I remember really setting my sights on like just learning as much as I could and being like really open to knowing that there were a lot of strengths that other girls on the team had and learning how to like almost emulate those sorts of things so I learned how to like be better at running longer distances and how to just like manage um I learned a lot about managing like practice and schoolwork and everything uh for the first time so there were a lot of things that I learned from my teammates and um And then, of course, like learning how to communicate with a coach that was there with me each day was uh, something that I just hadn't really done before. So I was so used to just running on my own and just listening to my body and kind of doing my own thing. So there was a lot of adjustments whenever I first got to Florida. Um, I think also I just learned a lot more about like how awesome it is to be part of a team, because before that, I guess I could say like my my high school team with my sisters, that was important to me. But it was really, this college was the first time that I felt like part of a team. So, and that's what I looked for when I was visiting colleges. I wanted to be on a track team. I wanted to be a part of a powerhouse track program. And I got that at Florida.
0: Was it, Florida's a big school. Was that culture shock for you to go from a small town in Mississippi to a big, big campus like Florida?
1: Um, you know, I kind of, it's funny because it really wasn't and i think it's because the university of florida's athletic department is so small and close knit so they don't have as many varsity sports as many other large public universities so they they don't have as many varsity athletes as a lot of other schools and just the nature of florida athletics i feel like it's such a um yeah it's such a it's such a tight knit community that on campus at uf i was obviously among all students, but there was this really deep understanding between the student athletes. And I kind of just felt like I, not like on an island, but I felt like we definitely were in certain t- in certain ways, like separate, um, where I knew e- everywhere I went, I knew someone, whether they were on the soccer team or the baseball team or something. So it didn't feel as overwhelming, I think, as it would be if I had gone to some other school that didn't have as close of an athletic department.
0: So during college, you went to the 2013 World Champs after finishing third at USA's. You get to go there with Jenny Simpson, who is now a teammate on Team New Balance. Were you in the stands when she won the silver?
1: Oh, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was sitting right there. front What row, was that experience and, like? Yeah, it was awesome. I'll never forget it. Um, I remember, yeah, I had gone over to the track to watch. I hadn't made the final. And yeah, she, I remember she ran right over and grabbed the flag and then, uh, went to, you know, jog her lap and everything. And obviously super inspirational. And it's one of those things where I think it just broadens your horizon a little bit more, a little bit more every time you get to that next level. So seeing her and actually like, um, you know, feeling like, You know she's a she's another she's a she's one of my competitors and like yeah of course she's a bit older than me and like more experienced everything but it was one of those moments where it was like this is real and this is a possibility so uh, I think that that's one of the cool parts about like knowing Jenny and Emma they're two of the first women to or I guess they are the first women to medal in their respective events as American distance runners and distance women and so it just makes that dream real and to see it and be there in person um doesn't make it seem as crazy as maybe it seemed before that so
0: yeah well and we can't forget Courtney Farricks who got second last year at yeah, Worlds, yeah of and course, of course yeah. Amy Hastings Craig who got a bronze in the marathon Absolutely. so what so at that time you didn't know that a year later you would be on team New Balance as well what was that like realizing when that offer came that you had the opportunity to not only be a part of a brand like New Balance, but also be on a team with athletes like Emma and Jenny.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's in some ways a dream come true. So at the time when I was exploring brands and looking at what I was going to do after college, I was living with Genevieve Lacaz, who, um, Lacaz Gregson. So she and I lived together most of college. Steep from Australia. And, yes. Yeah. And um, one of my best friends. So she and I lived together in college and she was running for new balance at the time. And, um, I think just, I was aware of obviously like the opportunity to compete, maybe representing other brands, but there was like this allure about new balance. And I think it was, um, definitely because of the, the way that some of the women who, all of the women who represent new balance, um, just our ambassadors of the sport and i think new balance has done such a good job just like staying true to what makes them different and what their values are so that was honestly it was a no brainer for me whenever i started really um thinking about what i wanted next and there was a little confusion actually when i was signing and i remember not knowing if um that was going to pan out and i was just so certain that I wanted to represent New Balance. So I went up to Boston and I sat down with um, some people at New Balance and I think made it obvious that 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 was what I wanted. And I'm really happy with that decision. So, yeah, it's been fantastic. And I'm really grateful.
0: So you sold them. You said, hey, no, don't forget about me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a little bit. yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Yeah, because I definitely at one point i just had this moment of clarity it was the same thing with my college decision where i was kind of all over the place and admittedly very indecisive and then once push came to shove i was like okay wait no okay i know what i want <laughs> and then mm-hmm. yeah it all worked out so um and living in boston for 4 years i feel like i was able to really connect with a lot of people who work at new balance and just I already knew what the company was about, but to be at headquarters and like around the employees and sharing the same gym and just like in a city where people really know, um, what new balance does for the community. I think that all those sorts of things just, uh, you know, really drive home exactly why I wanted to, to represent new balance. So I think I had a pretty close, um, you know, I had a pretty close relationship from day one. So it's been really cool.
0: And as you said, the women of team new balance are amazing women on their own, right? Not to mention amazing athletes. And as a fan, it's just so cool to see the support and yes, your competitors, but to see you guys support each other and clearly care for each other and want the best of each other. It, it, to me raises everybody up, not just you guys, I'm assuming, but also it raises up the sport because Emma's there supporting Jenny's there supporting Emily Sisson, Kim Conley, Steph Garcia, who we're talking to as well. Just an amazing group. What have you learned from those women?
1: Yeah. Um, so in 2013, I remember, Learning that Sarah Brown was going to come over on a last minute flight and she was going to be the next in line to be on Team USA and and compete in Moscow. So Sarah is a perfect example growing up like through high school and in college. I was a big fangirl of Sarah Bowman Brown and she like I think kind of set a tone for a lot of the women who New Balance eventually signed and not only did I look up to her, but like, I always just, you know, it was, it was really cool to like hang out with her for the first time and, and consider her a friend. So there's so much that it's, it's those things where I look back and I'm like, that's so weird how this has all happened because I was in college then of course, and she and I ended up being roommates in, Mos- in Moscow. And I guess the reason I bring it up is because, um, from the moment that I met her and along with any of the other women who knew balance, um, who represent New Balance, it was like just kindness. You know, I was younger and she kind of like let me tag along and showed me the ropes and made me feel, I don't know, just accepted and really excited and like not like I was a lot younger and just looking up to her and like a fangirl or whatever. And same goes for like meeting Jenny for the first time. I, of course, always admired her through college. And then now that we're at the same level and we're both competing professionally it's like um you know she she just like there's a lot of kindness there and there's a lot of like you're a little like a little younger but like not I can't really explain it but the women the women that I now call like my teammates with new balance are very like willing to reach out and willing to yeah lift each other up so I feel like that and it's kind of one of those things that I think as I get older obviously I want to like pay it forward and return the favor and Um, I don't know, there's just, it's a, it's a really, I think it's just one small part of what makes it have that team dynamic, even though of course we all, we don't all train together and we're all over the place and, um, we don't see each other on a day-to-day basis, but we, I think it's, it's all rooted in the way that we are really excited for what we represent. So, um, there's just like this unspoken bond. I mean, in 2016, I crossed the finish line at indoor. Nationals and Brenda had won and I finished second to her and I think we were both just so excited because um it was like new balance sweep and I think that whenever that kind of stuff happens there's just this like there's this other level of like pride or something but um yeah anyway so it's it's a cool it's I think it's very unique
0: It's got to be cool when you get together for the New Balance Indoor Grand Prix too cuz a lot of you were there is that do you guys hang out together off the track at at an event like that?
1: Yeah, we do. So New Balance, um, they, they do a lot of extra things in order to kind of like, I think, encourage that bond. And so the day before the meet, we had a lot on our agenda. I was a little nervous because usually I just relax. But, um, now that I'm not living in Boston, of course, I wanted to like go to the headquarters and see everyone. But, um, we just, we have a group dinner and we, um, get to go in and like see some of the designers. And that's another thing. I'm not sure if this is just unique to new balance, but we're like sitting there with a team of designers for the new balance women, um, like running merchandise, as well as like we had a spike meeting to discuss some new developments with like some of the shoes that we'll compete in. So they just do a lot of stuff to like have us in and, really like give feedback and make sure that they're putting that into the product. And it's cool because it's this roundtable discussion and you have Brenda and myself and Emma and, um, some of the other women. And we're just giving like our genuine inspiration and other things like that, that the designers then use whenever they're creating the product. So I definitely, yeah, it's really cool whenever we can all do that kind of stuff together. And, um, I, I don't think that that's a common thing. So I really, that's another
0: thing that's really special let's talk about sarah bowman brown for a second i know darren brown because he actually used to work for us here in austin and ran for an elite team that we had called rogue athletic club darren's now working in boston for Mm -hmm. ufos and married married sarah they have a family now sarah recently announced her retirement via social channels if i'm remembering right i remember reading her message there to announce that retirement basically saying that her focus had shifted from being all in for for the sport track and field to wanting to be able to do other things and to focus on her family and what i thought was a really heartfelt message and i'm sure a difficult decision for her because of what she's put into the sport through the years
1: mm-hmm.
0: when you see something like that what's your reaction
1: yeah i mean i think naturally i start to I think like, okay, it goes I kind of like go back to myself a little bit, which I guess that's weird to admit, but I see what she's done and I um I ask myself like how would I handle it or what would I do? And I just have like so much respect for her and the way that she handled like 2016 with first discovering that she was pregnant and then how she was such a fighter. And it was really cool one day New Balance had us all in to watch the Run Mama Run documentary. Um, with a bunch of the employees and Sarah was there with Abigail and Darren. So I think just like, um, I mean, of course, I think it's really special that she is so open and able to almost like blaze trail for someone like me who I haven't faced those sorts of um, question marks and like decisions and whatnot in my life yet. But um, yeah, it just, it's one of those things that makes you I think sometimes as athletes, we're so in control of so many things with, like, what we do on a day-to-day basis that we kind of forget, like, there will be times where you have to make decisions that you don't necessarily see coming, so it's cool that she is open and and acts, like, or is human about the whole thing, so it makes me, um, I don't know, not nervous, but just kind of, like, more aware, um. And I think Sarah handles so many things with so much grace and she is like open with the fact that she doesn't know everything and is kind of like figuring it out as she goes sometimes. But, um, it's, yeah, it's definitely cool and something I admire a lot. So. We're
0: all figuring it out. I, I it's interesting that this came up just because as I reflect on it with we're featuring the start of riot video that you were just in through these discussions and, the message of it is one of empowerment for women and strength. And in the video, it comes out in a loud way, in a mm-hmm. active way, in you know, a way with Stephanie boxing and you guys sprinting through the streets and the loud drumming and in and, in and, you know, very in your face sort of way, which it which it should and is a great message. But also, and in, it's interesting just to reflect on Sarah's message that her strength came out through that message in a softer way. And women face different challenges than men with with the prospect of having children and how that obviously it can affect your career differently in this sport than than men have to worry about. So reflect on that for a second, you know, this idea that strength can come in many forms.
1: Yeah. Um well I, I really didn't think of it as much as you just did in that summary. And I think it is definitely compelling and interesting because obviously, like you said, Sarah, um, the way that she, I think, is just vulnerable and open with what's going on with her is, and there's many other people who, um, in the track and field community, who I think take a similar approach. Um, and it's it's admirable, and I don't know if I could do it, but I think that it's really great. Um, but yeah, and then, of course, like the start a Riot video being, on the other end of the spectrum. Um, I think whatever works for you, I think that, uh, just this morning I was talking to Emma and Aisha on a run about like, um, how, how everyone handles injury differently and how some people, um, are more defined by like what running is in their life and it's whatever your relationship is with running and whatnot. And I think similarly to, um, how you like show your strength and, and everything, it's just, obviously person to person, um, something that's going to vary. And I, I like to think that I know what works for me. Um, and sometimes it's just like having my smaller circle to make sure that I can like express, um, you know, some things. And then of course, like when it comes to competing and, and like what I want to show there is, is kind of where I would rather, um, really sh- like show the, that message, like how the start a riot video is. I think that mm-hmm. I like to put that on the track and then like kind of put it away <laughs> mm-hmm. at other times. So, um, I think it just, yeah, it's, it's just like, whatever's the most fulfilling for you and, um, what you're most comfortable with. So I, and I think that track is such a great place to show that. I think that just the nature of our sport is, um, one of those where you really, it everything is really like it's very obvious during a race, like how you're feeling and you're just so vulnerable. So I think anyone who can line up is already showing that sort of strength. um, Because it's obviously you kind of know it can go one of two ways. Um, So I think that, I think that even stepping to the starting line is speaks for itself.
0: Yeah. For anybody who's doing it. And also shout out to New Balance for, allowing y- you guys to tell your story how you want to and for supporting women in our sport. I think that's so important from them as a leading brand to set that example.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They do a great job. Um, I'm definitely, you, you talked I'm definitely about, grateful.
0: <laughs> yeah. You talked a little bit there about sort of your support circles and obviously that's recently morphed, but I want to start talking about your your support group in, in Boston, you went to train with team new balance, Boston under Mark Coogan initially. And, and really up until the end of last year, what did you learn from Mark and being on that team?
1: Yeah, I learned a lot in Boston. Um, in so many ways, I think. So first of all, Mark, um, he has like this style of coaching where I think I learned a lot about like what like I just learned a lot about like what it is that makes me tick as a runner. And he, I think his love for the sport and like the tradition in track and field and his passion for American distance running is something that I really admire. Um, Not only is it like based in his experience as a runner and all the world championships teams that he made as a cross country runner and obviously Olympic teams marathon. It's like, I learned a lot about kind of like embracing being like in love with running because I feel like Mark is someone who like really encouraged that. And then, um, I don't know. I just, I think it was the first time that I was really far from home and I found like my family and my team and coach. So that was really special for me and something that I'll always, always cherish. Um, you know, I was all, the, I, my family didn't come up from Mississippi to Boston very often. So I got really close with Mark and Katrina and Abby and all the other new balance girls that I trained with there. So anyway, it was really hard to leave, um, Boston, but I just like felt myself drifting a little bit from my goals. um, for other reasons, I think just like, I wasn't really cut out for city life maybe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but anyway, so whenever I made the decision to leave, it was really hard. And, um, But one of those things that I kind of had thought about for a while and whenever an opportunity came up, I was like, I think it's the right thing to do. So uh, it was tough. But um, again, like it was really cool, just the support that I had from everyone there and from New Balance. And so I made I made the decision to move out to Boulder and it hasn't it's still obviously a super recent thing, but um, it's been working out really well. And I feel super good about it. And like this newfound confidence.
0: Definitely. Training with the boss babes. I think I've seen that hashtag <laughs> with Joe balsard as the coach. Emma Coburn, obviously, in that group. Kayla Edwards, Laura Thweet, Aisha, who you already mentioned, and Dominique Scott, I believe, rounds out the group. If I'm, if I'm missing, if I'm not missing anybody.
1: That's so, it. Yeah, that's
0: the women. So what what's that like? I know you, I know you had a prior relationship with Emma and Joe from having a a continuity with your high school coach. So, but what's it like moving into that group? What have you learned so far? You've only been there now a
1: couple of months. Yeah. um, Gosh. So it's funny because I'm really quick to admit that there's a lot that I don't know um, as a runner and what I'm not a coach. I'm just I'm an athlete so I think having Joe as a coach has been really cool for me because he he knows a lot and he also is like super willing to learn so it's been really nice to just like kind of see what see how he goes about that whole process and how he will kind of look at something that I do in training or in competing and and then say okay well how are we going to either make that better or not do that again and he kind of he just figures it out. So I really like his style of coaching. And um, yeah, so that's been super awesome for me. And um, something that I'm kind of learning how to like communicate different things for the first time. So that's all been really good. And then of course, just being around um, Emma and Aisha and Kayla and all the girls here on a day to day basis, there's just a lot of holes I would say places where I know I can improve and again it kind of it kind of takes me back to like being a freshman in college which I've told Emma and Aisha a couple times when I'm like following them on a long run or something I feel like you know there's things that they have been doing for the last few years um and they are experts at and again continuing to improve and I'm definitely behind them in some ways and so it's been really nice for me to like, see that room to grow and have people to chase and practice almost every day. And I think that one thing that's really cool about our team is just like the range that we have. So obviously Kayla's one of the best 800 runners in the world, and then to have Laura Thweet all the way up at the marathon. So filling in like the space between we almost, we have someone in each event and everyone has their strength and their place where they can I guess, carry a little extra weight. And then of course, um, it's nice to be able to, to get better by following some of the other girls. So definitely a lot to learn and a lot of improvement. Um, getting used to training at altitude full-time is one part of that getting better in the weight room. Um, just all sorts of things that are new here. So it's been Uh, good.
0: Emma's obviously a world champion from 2017, what have you picked up from her habits having been there for a little bit?
1: Yeah. So, um, Emma, she, I mean, you can tell that she is like the master of her craft just in how she goes about her day to day routine. So she sticks to plans. She operates on like a very, uh, I wouldn't say like strict schedule, but she, she is incredibly driven. So her, the way that she starts her day is pretty, I would say dependable and she always, um, you know, is on time and she just like carries herself in a way that's very like professional. So just learning how to be better at little things, I think is something that I see that she's just already, she'd mastered that. So, um, I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of little things when you're around her, you can see why she's excellent. So just trying to, yeah, trying to do the little things right, making sure that I'm recovering. Um, that's all stuff that she's really good at. And just like, I don't know, you can't cut corners, obviously. Um, so that's something like to be around Emma, who's a world champ, and of course Aisha with the Commonwealth Games. Um, both of them just they they like know what works. They understand the formula, and it's just like a lot of hard work and resting and and running and refueling properly and it's really not much more complicated than mm-hmm. that but they just do it really well so yeah
0: I've heard you describe yourself in an older interview as a lower mileage runner as part of your background has that evolved for you and will it evolve more with the transition to this group
1: yeah um I was a low, low mileage runner at one time, definitely in high school and college. I think I was on the lower end of the spectrum. I remember like my first hour run was that Florida and I got up to probably like 75 to 80 minutes in college. But when I was in Boston, Mark definitely challenged me to like become more of a distance runner. And that's something that, um, I had really never done before. I was doing like 90 minute runs and for the first time doing longer tempos and stuff like that. So I definitely wouldn't have considered myself low mileage while in Boston. Um, now that I'm at altitude, we've been more thoughtful about my mileage. And I think that it's been working really well. I feel like I'm training more like a 1500 meter runner now than I was in the last few years and, um, lifting a little more and still doing like I would say close to 70 miles a week, but that's not as much as I was doing in Boston. So um, I don't know what I would, I think probably average now, but definitely not low mileage compared to, um, compared to what I was doing previously. So yeah, I can handle it. I think Mm -hmm. Um, I feel good about it. So, um, and I feel like I've gotten a lot stronger in the last few years. So not a low mileage runner anymore.
0: So if you look at the U.S. fifteen hundred meter fields, it's insane, right? Yeah, I mean, it we've got is. we've got Jenny Simpson and now Shelby Houlihan running sub four last year, winning a couple of diamond leagues. You've got Case Gray, Kate Kate Gray, who's been strong. She was a guest of mine a couple episodes ago. You've got Brenda Martinez, who you've already mentioned, and the list really goes on. I mean, we could we could probably list ten more women who might have a chance to make a team with the right things playing out from Sarah Vaughan to others. So how do you look at that as, as a fan, I'm scared thinking about <laughs> lining up with those women and trying to make a team. So what, what's it like for you to sit there and, want those things want to make teams and want to be on podiums but knowing that it's going to be the challenge that it is in the depth that the u.s has right now at the 15
1: yeah um well i right now i'm like getting fired up i love it (laughs) so i think that that's what makes it all the more spectacular and incredible when you are on team usa i really wouldn't have it any other way i think um I think it's just one of those things about having the right mindset, obviously, going into those big races and um, races like Grand Prix a couple like last week. They're obviously super valuable and really special to race against like fellow Americans and and then, of course, people from all over the place. Um, But like there's nothing like a U.S. championship, really, in the sense of like knowing however you do there um, is such a is such a good indication of like your competitive and like what you can accomplish at the international level so I think like knowing how strong the 1500 fields are and honestly pretty much every event in the United States just knowing how strong and how much depth there is um it's like a confidence boost right so if you are in the U.S. final and you do compete well and you make you make a team then it's like all right well I very well have like the potential to make like to bring home a medal so of course, it's like super difficult to make teams. And um, if you overthink it, of course, it can maybe seem pretty intimidating. But I think that that's what makes it really special. And um, I don't know, I, I'd rather it that way, for sure. Uh, I think that that's, that's what track is about, right? I mean, it's like, let's figure out how good people can be. Let's figure out how fast people can be how far people can jump, like, let's figure it out. So I think the US is like, the place that's doing that the best and that's like what I think is awesome about our sport um it's like a celebration of how good people can be so i like it
0: well i like it that you like it <laughs> yeah. what do you have a mental routine that you go through before a race to bring that confidence to bear
1: <clears throat> um not really i try to stay calm because i think it's easy for me to get really fired up and like i know growing up that was something that I did I was like a super intense middle schooler and high schooler I like wouldn't bring my phone to meets and I would just like I didn't really appreciate that like it's good to be calm before races so I wouldn't say that there's like a specific routine that I go to but I just am really I do my best to be aware of how much energy I'm putting into like my excitement before races. Um, for me, the calmer that I can be when I get to the starting line, then probably the better I'm going to race. So I don't listen to any music that's like getting me amped up or anything. I just want to <laughs> relax. Um, and I've figured that out through trial and error. So that's pretty much the extent of my mental preparation right before. I guess I will say I I like to go through different scenarios, either worst case or best case, and just imagine my response to each of those Um, but it's not like a specific routine or anything. It's just more of an awareness.
0: Stay calm. I like it. Yeah.
1: I got to stay calm. That's really (laughs) all that it is.
0: (laughs) So we talked a little bit about the, she's a, or start a riot video already. What was it like being a part of that and what does it mean to you?
1: Yeah. Being a part of it was, um, well, first of all, I will say it's been super cool to see the response to it. I think that, I knew that it was something special and I knew that New Balance was putting a lot into it, but I, I didn't really realize that it was going to have such, um, such a, like, just the response has been really awesome. Like from my friends and family as well as just like through social media, I think it's really cool how, how it's been received. So yeah, that's, that's obviously a really exciting aspect of it. Um, and then like when it was happening, I was, it was hard because i'm not very good at keeping secrets first of all and second of all i was like really excited i wanted to like show everyone how cool the new gear was and like just all the you know i guess some of the details included in the video but um i think one thing that's like that i was really aware of was that it was just something totally different um of course there's like oftentimes where something occurs in for one of the like various shoe companies and like we all blast social media and it's kind of like, okay, well that's cool. But this was like, it was just, I feel like it was done in a way where the message is really clear and like, there's a, there's a deeper message to it. So I think that, um, it didn't seem as like contrived almost. And I think it's just been really cool to be a part of something that's like a bit more organic and more natural and genuine. So that's, yeah, that's one part of it. That's been really cool. And then, um, I don't know. It's funny. Just, I don't, I don't know if I feel like that even looks like me. So it's like, I feel like I'm just watching this cool video and then I'm like, Oh wait, that's actually me there. Uh, yeah. Rocking the cornrows. Yeah. It doesn't look like me at all, but I think it's funny. My dad said that he saw it the other day and I was like, um he was like yeah you look nice but you also don't look like you i was like i don't know how to take that but thanks dad <laughs> so anyway thanks, it's been dad. kind of funny <laughs> um nice. but yeah i think that it's i think that it's really cool and i think that the message is awesome and the women who are in the band beginners they were really nice and it was it was cool to hang out with them that day and then of course just like the way that New Balance selected the women who were included in it. I think that it was cool that they brought in um, Bev Ramos after like everything in Puerto Rico. She's been such a like, I feel like she's just been such a light there, like making sure to help with the recovery efforts in the aftermath of the storm. And like she and I actually, um, I think because of like the connection with Katrina, I collected like, I would say almost 100 pairs of shoes and shipped them down there to her a couple I guess it was like over a year ago and um, she and I just have like a cool connection through that. And I think that both of us like kind of know that feeling of being that in your community and like wanting to do anything that you can to help um, people who lost everything. So anyway, I think that they just, she was, it was cool that she was, I felt like she had such a big part in all of it and um, she's really, so I just think that it was awesome. They, they did a great job.
0: Yeah. And her ability to train for New York while going through all of that in Puerto Rico is amazing.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, she's tough. So it was cool.
0: So obviously we want people to follow you on Instagram at Corey McGee, McGee Runs. Corey spelled C-O-R-Y. How else can they track you? What do you have coming up besides Milrose? What are your goals for 2019?
1: Yeah, so after Melrose, I have the U.S. Indoor Championship, which two weeks later, um, so back to New York. And then after that, the outdoor schedule is not nailed down quite yet. Um, I think that hopefully, depending on the way that indoor pans out, I'll have a better idea of what's on the horizon. But of course, USA's and putting down like a fast time before that and racing, being in that final and um, going for top three, that's the main goal I would say at this point for this year it's always like whatever team there is to make indoor or outdoor and then just putting myself in the best position to be um you know to be able to do that so that's the main goal and then I think like any runner I want to run faster than I have before so getting in some fast 1500s um and just like challenging myself in that way last year I PR'd for the first time in like five years in the 1500 but it was like less than a second. So I'm really tired of saying 406. Um, so I want to, yeah, run faster than that. Um, so those are the big plans.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll be cheering for you. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. Really appreciate it. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Corey. I didn't know about her Katrina story. So that was really interesting and fascinating to see how she worked through that as a high schooler. Hopefully you gained some inspiration there. And now let's turn to our discussion with Stephanie. Well, we are welcoming Stephanie Garcia to the show. How are you today, Stephanie?
2: I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Where are you coming from today? Where are we patching into?
2: Right now, I'm in the beautiful city of Philadelphia, kind of in between some indoor races. I'll leave tomorrow to head down to North Carolina for the Camel City Elite competition.
0: Nice, and you just raced New Balance Indoor Games.
2: I did, I did <laughs> this past
0: weekend. <laughs> I know that I know that wasn't what you wanted, but we can we can get to that in a second. Before we jump into running, I wanted to start by a topic that I hear is near and dear to your heart, which is the television show Game of Thrones.
2: <laughs> I do love Game of Thrones. I'm big fan.
0: <laughs> so we've got the last season coming up here in April. And everybody's speculating about what's going to happen in the final season. As a fan, what do you want to see happen? What would bring a happy or at least satisfying conclusion to you in the in the series?
2: Well, this might make me sound like a huge nerd, but would make, what would make me happiest would be if George R.R. R. Martin actually released his final books so that we knew what he wanted um i was one of those kids who read the books before watching the shows um so i don't know it's there's a lot going on i i kind of want i kind of want john to be the one triumphant at the end but you everyone loves um everyone loves khaleesi so i i don't know <laughs> I'm open to whatever they want to make of it. I just hope that each episode is really exciting and like a mini movie that would be so much fun.
0: Well, I think there's only six episodes in the final season, so there's not a lot to that. So, so it would, it would seem that each one will have to be pretty big on its own.
2: I think that they're supposed to be a little bit longer, so we'll, we'll see. But, um, yeah, I can't believe it's, all good things must come to an end, and I guess Game of Thrones is one of them. So,
0: it's interesting that you read the books. I don't know a lot of people who have gone back to the books. That most of the people I know have gotten into it through the television show, and and a handful have kind of gone back. So, you actually read them before the 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 show came out.
2: I did. I think that one was released while the show was like being aired, but um, but uh, yeah, I read the first like four or five before a. Uh, before actually watching the show cuz I'm a huge nerd.
0: <laughs> well, we like nerds around here. Certainly track nerds. The and so I wanted to mention that because obviously in the Game of Thrones, it's a little bit crazy and you never know who's going to stab someone in the back, <laughs> die to <laughs> die at the end of an episode <laughs> and and or, you know, sleep with sleep with somebody. And so in some ways I relate that to track and field when you entered the sport in twenty or when you entered the professional ranks, i us say, in twenty eleven, when it was a little bit more the Wild West, I would say, and sponsors were 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 fewer perhaps and also mm-hmm. not as maybe invested in the sport in ways that extended beyond performances. And so I wanted to start there, you know, with reduction clauses and everything focused on performance bonuses and things like that, particularly unfriendly to female athletes. So I kind of wanted to start there and talk about from 2011, when you graduated from UVA to now, how have you seen the sport evolve from that standpoint?
2: Oh, that's a tricky question. I mean, it's absolutely now you are seeing more, um, it's it's more frequent that big names coming out of college or high school will get a massive six-figure contract you know when i was um coming out that was not the case, especially in the steeplechase. It wasn't a sexy event. Um, it was so new for women that we we weren't really paid very well until, you know, Emma came out and then followed by, you know, Colleen and Leah. And that kind of started, you know, bigger contracts for for steeplers. But but in general, um, you know, as you said, companies weren't as invested in using their athletes Um New Balance was an exception, I believe, because those first few years they really did use a lot of their um, global athletes uh, in their advertising. They got away from that a bit, but now you're seeing it kind of start again, especially with um, this latest campaign for the Zante Pursuit that just came out. But um, but yeah, it just seemed like I don't I don't know. Obviously, I'm not deep into the business side of the sport, but it seemed as if that you know you kind of you get your big studs and then everyone else just gets the scraps and um now they're starting to share the love a little bit more people with social media are able to become more of um more of bigger bigger names and have a following coming into their pro careers um you know college kids get huge followings now so so it's it's definitely a different world i still think it's a bit of a wild west just maybe you know with some railroads or something going on
0: but you got to appreciate New Balance and companies like Wazel who are trying to tell stories, I think, a little bit better than than maybe we have in the past.
2: Yeah. One of the things I love about New Balance, I mean, they're I mean, I'm I'm biased, but they're the best company out there from a gear and from an athlete standpoint. Um, but, you know, they they really do let us. Dictate the narrative. You know, maybe they say, Hey, we have this new thing coming out. Can you promote it? Or this is the general message we want to send. But you tell it in your words, in your stories. You don't see the same old post with the exact same caption being shared by every New Balance athlete like you do with some other companies. So I agree. I think storytelling is huge, um, especially with how much access we have to fans. You know, people can you know, DM us and get a response from a real life person. So, um, I think it's really important that, that athletes are able to kind of run the show as far as how they connect.
0: Yeah. And share the real, the real feelings, the real emotions, the real commitment, hard work, all of the feelings and, and challenges that come with being somebody competing at your level. And, and you're an athlete that I I've been a big fan of but I'm I'm a track nerd mm-hmm. you know since you came out in 2011 and so it's it's probably not unusual that I would be a fan of yours but but I would say for the for those that are more casual fans who might just tune in during the Olympic year or during major championships you're an athlete that I think hasn't gotten the due you deserve and so it's it's fun for me to see or to have the opportunity to tell your story a little bit more through our podcast. One thing I want to talk about was when you, you, so you finished 20, in in 2011, you finished second at NCAAs behind Mm -hmm. the great Emma Coburn who who you Mm -hmm. just mentioned. And then at some point I, I would assume in that process had to make a decision about going pro. You had the 2011 US champs where you finished fourth, ended up making the world team that year after Delilah De- De Cresenzo pulled out with injury. So you went to the 2011 World Championships right out of college. But during that time, what was that decision like where the path wasn't paved for you to become a pro athlete? How did you think about that decision? Was it a tough one? Did you consider not pursuing the sport at the level you're pursuing it now?
2: Um, I think that To be honest, going into my senior season at Virginia, you know, again, some of these times I'm going to mention are going to be laughable today. But at that time, it was a different world in the steeple. Um, So I had yet to break 10 minutes in the steeple. And in my head going into that season, I said, Hey, you're a year away from the Olympics, you know, you're you're doing well but you can't be a pro unless you break 10 minutes in the steeple like it's just not you're not going to be good enough and in my very first race I did and so that kind of set the stage for me to you know then finishing runner up at NCAA's and and making um making that world championship team um, and running the A standard, I was one of very few Americans who had the A standard going into the Olympic year. And so it just made sense to me. I I did love it. I wanted to see what I could do. And then that year, I just it wasn't, I wasn't in the right setup. I didn't, um, didn't really fully embrace the professional lifestyle the way I should have to really compete at that highest level um and so i i fell short of my goals and um but at that point i was like i'm in this i have a contract like i'm going to keep going but to be really honest with you my entire career has been you know lots of highs and lots of lows i i really have had moments where i've struggled um you know I'm kind of coming out of that now coming out of a pretty much year long injury that took me kind of back to the very beginning of um of fitness and and base and all of that so so yeah it's a uh... It is interesting. I've had a lot of great success. I've run some really fast times and then yet I've also missed some of my biggest goals and if you want to use the word failure, I have failed. Um so it is a continuous journey and um you know I don't want to say every year I have to make the decision to recommit but as I'm getting older and as the competition's getting tougher, you you do have to really really love every aspect of this in order to kind of keep, keep at it.
0: So since you brought it up, let's talk about failure a little bit, because it's definitely a topic that's been on my mind. And I know many of our audience members can relate to because we all have those races that we wish we could get back or that weren't what we expected or wanted. You finished fourth at USA's a couple of times, fifth and then fifth in the 2016 Olympic year where you enter the last lap in second place hunting Emma Coburn who had made a move with about a K to go in that race. I was in the stands watching and it was an exciting dynamic race. You pushed the pace from with about a K or from about a K into it to the two K point where Emma made her move. You had Colleen Quigley, you had Courtney Freaks, you had Leah in that field, sort of bubble to the front with a couple of laps to go. And then you really were in second all the way through that last water jump, stumbled a little bit, ultimately fell over that last barrier to miss agonizingly that opportunity to make an Olympic team. I'm sure that's tough to talk about, but would love to drill into it a little bit. How did you feel in the moment laying on the track, knowing that your Olympic dreams had just passed you by?
2: You know, it's funny i i've I've had my way more than my fair share of falls in uh, key races, and um, and I'm sure a sports psych would love to analyze that. But um, in general, yeah i in that moment, you don't think it feels like time stops; like you're laying on the track for 10 minutes, but really it's a millisecond because then you're popping up. Your instinct is just get up and keep going. I do think that there was a again, a, a pause where I thought I should just stay here. I should just stay on this track and just, mm-hmm. you know, walk it in. But, um, but my, my gut reaction took over and I, you know, was up and, and just trying to finish. Um, it was heartbreaking. I remember, you know, earlier in that race kind of looking up in the stands and, and seeing all the people and thinking like, I'm doing this, like I'm going to Rio and then, and then it all it all faded away, um and yeah, I mean, those are the moments that no one wants to experience, but they're also those moments that kind of really light that fire and 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 force you to kind of as I said earlier re- recommit and rededicate yourself to 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 what your dreams are um I think I read recently that you know, when it comes to goal setting, you need to be realistic about the barriers you're going to face. Um, and if you can look at those challenges and say, it's worth it still, then it really is worth it. Um, but if anything, you know, stops you in your tracks and, and makes you say, no, like this isn't, this isn't a challenge I want to face, then that tells you that your dream is is kind of, it's time to move on. So Um, I've yet to see any challenge and say, no, I I don't want to face this, but, um, but yeah, this is, um, this is the nature of our sport and this is why we love it because it's, there is no guarantee, no matter how prepared you are, no matter what the field looks like, anything can happen, especially in the steeple.
0: (laughs) Most definitely in the steeple. When you look back on that race. What are the things you take away? What are the lessons that you hold on to you to say, you know what, at least I learned this?
2: Well, I think that that was, um, I think I raced really courageously and and I was really bold. And so I'm proud of myself for that, you know, walking off the track after that race and, you know, seeing my coach, you know, he said to me that was an Olympic effort. And I do believe that I, um, you know, didn't let anything hold me back. So I'm really proud of that. I'm proud that that's in my DNA, and that's how I want to compete always. Um, and I knew I was fit, and and I, I proved that later that summer by being the fourth American to break 920 in the steeple. Um, I did that later in, at the Paris Diamond League. Um, and so I, I knew I was fit. I knew I was still, you know, world-class and one of the very best Americans. Um, and so I, I definitely took those lessons away. And those have been things I still still turn to when I really need that extra boost of confidence.
0: Do you still have moments though, where you're like, damn, I wish I could <laughs> have that one back. Does it still come back to you?
2: Um, I mean, yes. I, I think that there's a, Part of me that has not fully ever really gone back, you know. Immediately after that race, you know, I went back to my hotel room, got in an Epsom salt bath, you know, scheduled a massage, got on the phone with my agent, and just was like ready to move forward to the next thing. Um, but I don't know if I've ever 100% sat and and thought about what what I actually missed out on. Um, I will one day when my career is over, but yeah and and it's hard because I was the girls who made the Olympic team are obviously some of the best in the world, but I know that I've beaten them plenty of times in different distances, and that i'm I'm good enough to beat them on any given day, and so it's tough to know you know nine times out of ten, maybe it wouldn't go another way um but you can't really let those things get in your mind or else it's going to hold you back from, from moving forward.
0: Earlier, you talked about having to recommit every year. And I feel like a lot of runners can relate to that, whether or not it's their job. You know, we all have to sort of recommit to that next goal. Every time we pass a previous one, or every time we experience a failure, we have to get up and decide, all right, I'm going to keep doing the work. And for athletes like yourself, that means obviously a lot of time invested, uh, a life of commitment to it that is hard, that isn't easy. And so for you, what keeps you going?
2: I think it's knowing that there are still, you know, my biggest goals that I have yet to accomplish. That keeps me going. Um, obviously the support of you know my inner circle of friends and family um i've got some really good people in my corner who you know i know that they would love me no matter what but i also know that we've all put in so much commitment and time into this journey that i want to see it through um especially now with the next you know olympic trials just as, you know a little bit over a year away so um so yeah, knowing that there's more and trusting that that I have more to give. Um again, not always easy especially when you deal with something like an injury or or a major failure, but um kind of have to do that soul searching to to really confirm that this is um what you still want to do.
0: What are the hardest moments for you or maybe tasks or parts of the process and routine where you just struggle to do the little things.
2: Um I think for me I I've made some big changes over the last 6 months or so. Um I keep I keep referring to this like injury um that pretty much took me out of of being really fit and able to compete in 2018. So that was a huge moment for me to kind of say like are you still going to do this? Because this means you're going to make some major changes to not only, you know, where you live, where you train, but also, you know, your gait, your form, your stride. Um, and that's going to take time to 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 see the benefits. Um, so for me, yeah, of course, there's little things, there's times where I would so much rather you know watch netflix then do another round of drills that i know i need to do um there are times where i really just want to go get a burger and fries instead of eating another grain quinoa bowl for dinner um and then there are times where you know this year i i've moved to the west coast and the way my training went you know i i didn't go home for christmas i didn't see family and friends i didn't get to do those things um and i made those those choices so that I could stay committed to my training and to the long-term plan. So there are a lot of little things where it's, it's a lonely life. You know, there are some runners out there that um, are lucky to live with their husbands or their, near their family or friends. And, and that's not my experience. And so, yeah, it is, it's tough. I get a lot of FOMO, especially with social media. um, But you know again the the dreams are are what's driving me more than you know being able to go to the Christmas party that I missed, so I know those times will come, and that this is the the time is now for my athletic goals.
0: You mentioned the big change in your coaching situation. you went from training with firm elite. Robert Gary as your coach to now training with Drew Wartenberg and, and Kim Conley in Sacramento. Talk about that shift. Why why the change? And what do you see in Drew's program that excites you?
2: Yeah, you know, in 2018, I think um, I I adore Robert Gary. He He was the best coach for me for those five years that I worked with him. He really transformed my career. Um, and so I will forever be grateful to him, but, um, we both kind of came to the realization that, that Elite wasn't going to be what I needed anymore. They, they were kind of not going to be having women in the group as much. Um, and just, we both realized I needed some, some new challenges, um and with that, you know, I've known Kim Connolly since 2012. We've been great friends and I've really admired her and the way that she and Drew really conduct um both their their life on and off the track. And so um we were both up in Flagstaff over the summer and it just we went to lunch and all of a sudden we kind of realized, "Hey, you're looking to to get a training partner again. I'm looking for a change." this could be perfect um, and it really is what what excites me about their program is that they're such aerobic strength based um, people and that's something I've always been lacking um, I, I used to say that I'm like not good at mile repeats long runs intimidate me and and now I'm starting to really love and embrace that kind of work um, and I know that that's gonna be really good for me over the long term um, you know I have I have aspirations besides just the steeple. I'd love to see what I can do in the 5k if I properly trained for it. Um, I'd love to, to do something longer on the roads one day. So it's kind of the perfect transition. Um, and it's just really exciting. They've made two Olympic teams, you know, they coached Kate Grace um, to her, you know, some of her biggest successes. And so I know that they know what it looks like. They know how to get these things done. And so it really inspires me and and just really made me fall in love with running again in a way that I think I was really missing in 2018.
0: Kim Conley making the Olympic team in 2012 might have been my all-time favorite Olympic trials moment <laughs> where she got the standard and nipped third place there at the very end. One of my, one of my favorite Hayward Field moments for sure.
2: We don't see those kind of stories too much these days. So it's, it's really cool.
0: Yeah. And she's still doing it. So what is that, you, so you say more aerobic strength based, does that mean more miles per week for you or just longer workouts, longer long runs? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Affirmatively, at, at I felt like we did so much track work. I was on the track all the time. And now, you know, we're doing a lot more fartlek, effort-based work, which again, really intimidates me um, to hear, you know, you got to go run, you know, two minutes on, 30 seconds off or whatever the case is. In my head, I'm like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I feel it just sounds hard. Um, but going and getting comfortable with that really uncomfortable aerobic work is, um, is, is fun. So, um, it's a good challenge. It's very different, um, different approach for me mentally. You know, I can go out and do K repeats all day, but if you want to tell me to go run for run hard for four minutes, I have no idea what that means. (laughs) So so it's, um, it's it's really a a good challenge for me and it's teaching me some new, uh, some new tricks.
0: Wow. And so important in the steeple, right? I mean, your, your 1500 meter speed of running a 405 PR, I believe is definitely legit, but to be able to pair that with staying power through a 3k race over barriers and hurdles is huge.
2: Yes. I I will be that person and say my PR is actually a 404. Ah, Um, Nice. Thank you. But uh, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I've really only run a handful of 5Ks in my career. Um, and usually it's just coming off of a, an altitude camp or something. But I've run 15, 16 that way. And so just knowing that, you know, the 5K is a distance that both Kim and I are really excited about um, and want to really um, tackle one day together is just, it's it's really good to have that kind of um momentum and that kind of, um, support behind, behind me. So, and I think that will all translate to a great steeple. Um, so,
0: so speaking of the steeple, you are, if I'm getting this stat right, I think the fifth fastest American steepler ever with your nine nineteen. I think Leah and Colleen, Courtney and Emma have all run a little bit faster or certainly Leah a little bit faster and, and Courtney getting mm-hmm. the American record nine flat last year was huge, but it's a deep, it's deep mm-hmm. now. And really and for the steeple in general with women, it's still a relatively young sport, so to speak, in that it's not one that's been around for 30 plus years. And that depth is coming and coming in a big way. And certainly with Courtney running nine flat, Emma having run 9.02 or 9.03. Colleen's run 9.10. That's got to be intimidating to now have that sort of speed and depth in the steeple. So for you, how do you think about that? Is that inspiring? Is it intimidating? Is it challenging?
2: I mean, I would say it's definitely it's definitely challenging, but it's it's more inspiring than it is intimidating. Because kind of like I said... I know that throughout my career and even, you know, pretty recently, you know, I've, I've beaten all three of those girls in different events, um, throughout my career, you know, before Courtney beat Emma, I had was the only American who had ever beaten Emma and granted she was sick and coming off of something, but still it counted. It counts. Um, um, but, but, you know, I just, I know that. As an athlete, I am just as strong as those girls, Um, and so it it inspires me. Um, There are plenty of other things that, um, that are challenges, and as you said, the the sport is grow, the event is growing so much, especially in America. I I don't want to count anyone out. I know that at any point that someone will, you know, have a a collegiate or a post collegiate will come out and just be um, have an amazing race. That's the nature of the steeple. So. You know, I'm not sitting here at all thinking that, oh, I've got it or, oh, I just need to beat one of those girls. I'm sure those girls are thinking that they also have to kind of keep their eye on everybody else because America is just so good in all the distance events these days. And so I love the steeple. I know it's what I'm the best at. It's my ideal distance and um, an event. I got into it because I just – thought it was so much fun. I wanted to jump over things. I wanted to be a fake hurdler. And, um, it just, it was exactly what I was looking for in a track event. So it's exciting. Um, I'm sure talk to me before a championship race and I'll be nervous as all get out. But, um, but yes, I I'm choosing to be inspired by their performances.
1: Well,
0: it also, in my mind, as a fan who enjoys watching these things is it also creates a new dynamic. I think with Emma showing that she can be beaten or Courtney showing that she can beat Emma. It it brings a new dynamic, which I think will change the dynamic in a U S U S final, a U S national final. Whereas before it was sort of Emma and then everybody else, which Mm -hmm. created a dynamic where sort of everybody was waiting for Emma to take the lead and then run away with it. And then the the rest of the group would kind of fight for second and third. It seems now with power shifting a little bit, it creates more strategy up front for even Emma to think about, which I think then opens the door for everybody.
2: I completely agree with you. Um, And, you know, I've seen you know, Colleen has come out and said, you know, I want a global medal. I want to do this. And, you know, so every American right now seems to be just having the highest goals and, and working extremely hard. So it kind of takes me back to, you know, that 2016 race where anyone at any day can make that team. And so there's no guarantees. And what what is the exciting thing about the steeple is that it's a race with literal barriers, and at any point, it can um, it can knock you down. And so, yeah, it's a it's a brand new world. If you want to talk about wild wild west, that is the women's team. <laughs> right? <sir. laughs> oh.
0: Watching that twenty seventeen World Championship final where Emma and Courtney go one two, what was that like for you?
2: Um, I mean, to be really blunt, like it was really hard. It was really hard to watch, um, because. Uh, I I really wanted to redeem myself, and yet I again had another fall um, in the prelim of the twenty seventeen U.S. champs, and you know I had to work extremely hard to get myself on the line um, two days later. And at that point, you know I was I was exhausted. I wasn't. I I finished fourth, um, but it was a really tough race for me. Um, so. You know, it, I'm very impressed. I'm very proud. Those women work really hard. But it was hard to, um, to be on the sidelines for that one.
0: You wanted to be there. Absolutely. <laughs> so switching gears slightly, but on a related point, I found a blog from you on the site thegirlwhoknows.com. This one may be in deep from the from the deep edges of Google search, but I've, but I found this blog, and you talk about the importance of brutal honesty, and so I just wanted to read a quote from it that you said: "I've made big life-altering decisions that were not at all what I truly wanted. I married the wrong man for the wrong reasons. I moved to a new state that I had no interest in moving to. I neglected friends who were really important to me. I didn't embrace my career until it was almost too late." Today I'm happy and more importantly fulfilled in all aspects of my life, but it was a hard road to, to tow, especially with many missteps I made throughout my journey. What saved me? Brutal honesty. It's simple. When you're honest with yourself, you can better work towards the life you truly dream of. Talk about that. How did you find that place?
2: Wow. That's a throwback and that's really brutal. Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um you know everything that you just read was absolutely true. Um I as I said way early in this interview, I um I've had some highs and I've had some lows in this sport and so um you just have to be really really cognizant of what path you're on and if it's the right one for you. And again, like this is a, this is a question that comes up for me a lot. And maybe, maybe that's a bad thing, but just to be real, like it, that's, that's the truth. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time this fall trying to relearn my, my gait and, and get a new stride because that was leading to injury. And that was preventing me from, from ever getting fit and competing the way I wanted to. And so, it was weeks of being stuck at you know four or five miles a day. That's it because I couldn't do more due to pain, and I couldn't do more because I was concentrating so hard on different form cues and figuring out a new stride. And and the reality is is that that was a lot of time, and that was a lot of base time that I spent you know just running less than thirty miles a week. And so um I'm not where I wanna be. And that my performance at, at New Balance Grand Prix over the weekend was was really disappointing and but also also kind of what I expected. And so it it even took me a couple of days this week to say, Hey, are you still on the right path? Like take a look at what you're doing and, and really make sure that this is what you want. Because running is is a hard thing to do. It's so simple, I know. One foot in front of the other, but at the same time, you know, it's so vulnerable to get on a starting line and have everyone watch you. It's so, it's so easy to put out this fresh, fresh face on social media and and talk about crushing your workouts, but, but that's not always how it is every day. And so, having that brutal honesty um, to really analyze what you're doing and who you are is so important because you know other otherwise you could waste years of your life just floating along and then wake up and realize that you didn't do what you wanted to do so yeah it's uh it's definitely a a key um to this day still in in all of my decisions
0: well i appreciate the brutal honesty and your willingness to go there with people like me, me, who you don't know, because I think it's so important for our sport to have athletes like yourself that are not only putting everything into the sport itself, but also willing to show those sides. You know, you have the ups, you have the downs, but there's a lot of darkness that comes with, with, with the ups. And, and so it's that, that multi multi-dimension view that I think is so important for people to be able to see and relate to. Cause that's where the magic is. We all have those tough moments. We all have those bad decisions. We all have those mistakes, those bad races. And for the everyday runner to be able to see that and then say, you know what? I'm human. Like, <laughs> like Stephanie Garcia, who can compete with the best in the world is a pretty cool thing.
2: Yeah. I, you're, you said it all perfectly. It's running is so joyful, but when you do it every day, if you do it for a living, you know, you don't get that runner's high every single day. And so you really have to love it. You have to embrace the full lifestyle. And you can go out and run, you know, ten miles a day, fifteen miles a day, whatever it is, but if you're not doing the other things and with your other twenty-two hours, the sleep, the eating, the recovery it's not going to you're not going to get what you want out of this. You're not going to get the most out of your body. And so you have to be willing to make some of those sacrifices, um stay balanced and just really find the joy in those early morning before dawn freezing cold runs and the extra miles you have to do on your cool down or whatever it is. Like you you really have to um you have to love it and you have to know what you're working towards.
0: So let's talk about this music video. You're in a music video, put out by New Balance, called "Start a Riot," with a all girl band and a bunch of badass female athletes. Talk about what that process was like, and also what this video means to you.
2: Well, it was a huge honor to be uh, one of the four New Balance athletes um, chosen to kind of be a face for this, for this video, for this shoe, um, this campaign. It, it's all about strength and female empowerment, Um, so important. And I just love how New Balance has always been really, really supportive of, you know, the women on Team NB. Um, And so it was so much fun to kind of get to be part of this and show how strong women can be and that um, we're capable of doing so much. Obviously, this is a very political buzzword kind of thing, you know, with Me Too movements and the Women's March and all of that. Um, but I think it really is authentic to like New Balance's message and, and their commitment to their athletes over the past, you know, 10 years or so. Um, so it was really fun. I was, I, at first, I was a little bummed that I had to be the one, you know, boxing mm-hmm. in the video. It's badass, get- though. It it ended up looking pretty cool and um it was also extremely exhausting, I will say. Um <laughs> had to had to box through the length of the song a couple of times and it's a little bit of a long song. So um so yeah, it was a it was a really fun we did it in one day in in New York and um yeah, it was it was great fun.
0: So, speaking of team New balance, a lot of amazing women on team New balance, Emma Coburn, who we've mentioned, obviously one of them, Corey McGee, Jenny Simpson, what have you learned from those teammates, even though you're also competitors in a sense, but what have you learned from those teammates on you know team new balance?
2: You know it's so fun to get to peek on the inside and see you know other athletes in their process um and that's one thing we get to do with team and you know, we don't always travel together, but when we're at the same competitions, you know, they, they try and bring us together as much as possible. Um, I know that with any of those women, I, I could call them, text them, reach out and they would be there to support me. They have in the past. Um, and that's just really special in this sport groups are big you know bowerman is is big group of women who are all together um but so many of us do train you know just in pairs or on their on our own um so to be able to kind of have this network of women um is just really cool um it's great to see kind of how they conduct their life their business um and then just to watch them race whether you're in the race or out or on the sidelines um just to see this, this fierceness and this deep commitment is, um, it's so inspiring.
0: You're inspiring as well. I'm definitely going to encourage everybody to go follow Steph underscore steeples on Instagram. What should we be looking for next for you in 2019?
2: Well, we have a, we have another world team, um, coming up and the U S gets to send four women this year because we have the reigning world champion. So, that is obviously my biggest goal. Um I it's been it's been a little while since I've steepled, so I know that I've got um I've got some big goals to accomplish in that regard. Um but yeah, I'm just I'm just really grateful to be healthy. Long-term my my sights are set on 2020, and so I really want to use this year to just kind of get back to myself, get back to my peak fitness and just go out there and and just have some amazing performances. So I know it's a process. I know it takes time. And that's a huge message that I'm trying to send. Um, because yeah, it's, it's so easy to think, Oh, I got an injury. I'm healed. It's back to normal. There's more to it than that. And so I really want, um, I really want to show that staying committed to the process and trusting is, is, um, what it's all about.
0: Well, thank you, Stephanie. We'll be rooting for you for sure.
2: Thank you.
0: There you go. Two great discussions, hopefully inspiring for you. And I really appreciate Corey and Stephanie being so open and honest with me, even though I had some tough questions as I reflect on my interview with Stephanie in particular. I don't think I did a good enough job showcasing the great sides of her career as well. We've definitely focused there maybe a little bit too much on the failures and While she was open and willing to discuss discuss those, and I appreciate that, I also want to make sure that you guys know her to be a really, really strong and fast runner with a bunch of amazing results as well. As I said, she's got two world teams, an NCAA runner up, and second at USA's as well on her resume, plus really, really impressive PRs from the 404 that she corrected me with on the 1500 to low 15s for the 5k so she is certainly a runner who has lots of accolades to her resume and we should cheer for her no matter what through the ups and through the downs and we'll certainly be cheering for both of these ladies this year as i mentioned go follow them on instagram at cory mcgee runs and at steph underscore steeples if you want to see how they're doing in the upcoming meets and certainly watch their journey to try to make a world team this year in 2019. Thank you, everybody who has listened to this one. This has been episode 111 of the Running Rogue podcast. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.